Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah Keneally. Josiah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really loving podcasts, and I enjoy this one. So I listen to a lot, but it's fun to record this one as well. And we're really in for a treat today because Micah is going to introduce our guest. And I'll just say a lot of people who serve in young adult ministry are passionate about the local church and are passionate about church planting. And so we're in for a special treat because we're talking to a lead pastor, a church planter, and somebody who's an advocate for young adult ministry, a friend of ours, Micah, who is it? Oh my gosh. Well, drum, drum roll, please. He is one of our pastors. He's one of our friends. He lives in the state of Minnesota and his name is Pastor Jarvis Glanzer. And Jarvis and his wife, Jane, are the lead pastors and originally were the church planters who launched Watermark Church in Stillwater, Minnesota. There's a lot of water going on here, but we've all known each other for, I've known him for a couple years now. Josiah, you've known Jarvis a little longer or maybe quite a bit longer. But Jarvis has an amazing vision for the city and the community of Stillwater, Minnesota. So Jarvis, we want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in today. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm probably more excited to be here than you guys are to have me. So well, I don't know about excited. that. <laughs> we will give you a run for your money. We will. <laughs> the excitement runs in our veins. I don't know if you can see it or not. But you can see it on his face. And you can't our heart is beating voice. and it goes podcast podcast just kidding podcast. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding made that one up well Jarvis we're just going to kick off right away and if you could share um, your story with us in the audience today just give us an overview of maybe how you're called into ministry whatever you want to share we're willing to tune in and listen awesome well thanks for having me today and uh, uh, super excited to be here I'm actually talking from we're in quarantine and I'm talking from my little daughter's bedroom. So I'm glad you can't see where I'm at and can only hear me, but we're excited to be here. You know, a couple of things I just want to say, my, my, I met my, I, I got called by the Lord really early. I think ninth grade year, I was called into ministry. A lot of people had specific callings. Um, like we had friends who were called to Africa to do missions or specifically to do youth or whatever. And I just got, I just felt called into ministry. I had no specific thing about it, just called straight into ministry and um, went to Evangel College for a couple of years and went to North Central and the university. And that's where I met my wife, Jane. And, uh, and when we met, she was attending um, Emmanuel. So I chased her down and uh, I started being at Emmanuel Christian Center too. And we were on a team with, uh, of course, with life groups and stuff with, um, some junior high, and then I was asked by, Nate was a youth pastor at the time, so um, I was asked by Nate to step into a new role. I was his assistant for a few years, and at that time, I actually became, um, they asked me to do young adult ministry with uh, Brian Talso. What? Isn't that crazy? What? I did not know that. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't, I, Brian and I, Brian kind of led it as far as, and then when I came in, we started doing life groups and stuff at Emmanuel with young adult ministry. So Brian and I, we would do like um, services for young adults. And then we, my wife and I led a young adult life group and everything. And then I got asked to be a youth pastor um, during that. Nate actually resigned with the North Central and then we resigned. 
And then we were looking for jobs and a youth pastor job came up in Brainerd. And we did, at first we didn't even want to look at it because we were doing young adult ministry. And at that time we felt called to do young adult ministry, which was like, that's what our niche was. And we didn't want to work with junior high kids. We're like, we don't want to do that. Like that's a whole different category. And God moved us in that direction. And then we ended up doing that for seven years in Brainerd. And so we actually worked with the junior high, senior high, and actually some of the young adults up there too. And then God called us to plant a church in Stillwater, Minnesota. And uh, we built our dream house up there. We, were, we thought we were there forever. Some circumstances happened that we felt released. And, um, and then we decided God brought us to Stillwater. And as soon as we, we were actually on our way down um, to Phoenix for a trip with a fr to see some friends, we're driving to the airport from Brainerd. And uh, uh, when we're going around the city, we went to look, saw the long way around. We saw a sign for Stillwater, and we didn't feel called at that time. We just decided to go to Stillwater, and as soon as we hit the overpass, we drove underneath the overpass. My wife and I both felt right away God said, welcome home, and we both knew, and we didn't know anything about Stillwater. We knew nothing about the history of the town. We knew nothing about it. We just both felt called to be there, and uh, this year, we celebrated seven years of um, planting a church in Stillwater, Minnesota, so, so, so that's where we're at now, so we are we are we are here and we are loving it so like i still i still to this day don't feel a specific calling to like a certain category i just feel a specific calling to now we feel called to our city more than anything else and so whatever category that is we just feel called to do what god has called us to do so that's amazing well first of all congratulations on the seven years welcome Seriously. home anybody yeah. who drives into that town you have a place to go and a church that is a Amen. significant lighthouse that mm -hmm. honors and respects and loves all generations. So it's super fun to see and hear Jarvis with a, the track that God has brought you and your family on and how he's spoken so clearly to you. And we're going to segue into the church planting journey. You briefly touched yeah. on it, but can you talk about what, it, what has it been like truly planting a church? Um, when, I, when I look back in the first year, I mean, you gotta, you gotta raise money, you gotta do it, you gotta put stuff together. But that first year, I always look back of like going, like this is a little, um, you just don't have the friends, you don't have, like you don't know people. So we spent a lot of time at the coffee shop, spent a lot of time just being different places. But I think that you gotta do it with the right people and you gotta do it with the right heart. I think sometimes people just say, I'm gonna try that. But I think it's one of those things you got to be called to do it. Like you got to know God has called you to do it to that place. And you got to have the right team, the right people to do it. Because I, it's, um, it's, it's the first year, it, of course, it's anything, anything you do for the Lord can be hard. But it's almost like if you don't have the right team, it can be lonely. But for us, we loved it. We had the right team. And man, one miracle story after another, one conversation after another, one door open after another, one you know, one new thing after other that just opened doors. And so every year it's like seeing, it's like seeing a baby grow, you know, the first year you just kind of, you know, kind of feeding it, trying to make sure it's staying alive and making, and then as it grows, you can see it start walking and start moving. And that's, I feel like that's the process it's in is we're like seven years old. And so we're, you know, we're able to do certain things we weren't able to do the first year. So it's, it's fun to see. Darius, that's amazing and inspiring to me specifically. I think few things in the world on planet Earth 
inspire me more than a church plant. You think of a community that really didn't have a vibrant, life-giving church, and all of a sudden now there's a church there that seven years ago, the watermark didn't exist, and now it exists. And so ex nihilo is something that we talk about, like it's a, it's a Latin word for out of nothing comes something. And that's how the Genesis creation account, there was nothing. And then God just breathed life, like spoke words, and the universe came into existence. And I think we're created by our creator to create. Yeah. And, and I think it's crazy about that is to go tying on that. What's crazy, I think, is like we were naive. And I think we all get a little naive. Like there's, there's a lot of things we're naive about. But I would actually go to churches to, you know what I'm saying, to raise money before we launch. And I would say stuff like, God has called us, my wife and I, to do this. And then after in the service, someone would come up and say, I feel like God has called us to go too. Or somebody would, someone would call me up and we'd have a conversation. God's called us. And so my naive part was saying, in the beginning, it was like, God called my wife and I. And then as your team begins growing, you start realizing that God just doesn't call me, he calls us. And then you think, well, I'm no longer not, I, this makes more sense. Like this is something that makes more sense. But then you get here and you start planning a church and then you realize we've been praying, people in the church start coming, they said, we've been praying for this. We've been praying for this for years. We've been praying for something like this. And then you start meeting new friends over the years and you start coming to your church. And then you start realize, oh, we're all called to this. And so it's, it's interesting to me because in my little, my new mind, I always felt like it was some calling that God gave me. And now I'm realizing it's, it's a calling that God has called all of us and people even living in that city to reach that community, not just, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's bigger than I thought it was in my own head, you know, and so it's pretty amazing. Amazing. And we live in the state of Minnesota. People listen a lot from Minnesota, but also from all across the nation. And so <clears throat> something that's really big in Minnesota is hockey. And there's an example, like one time you saw a need of the, the whole city shut down for a season, like Stillwater it has a big population in the summer and the fall and the spring, but not in the winter. And so it doesn't happen anymore. But for a, a couple of years, there was like a hockey tournament. And my, my even thought bringing that up is you've, I know you've went with a friend of mine, Brent Silkey, you went and just delivered cookies with him, like all across to the teachers or to the banker, or just you, you make friends, you do sit in the coffee shop and you do know the people. And so my question with that in just prefacing it like that, how can pastors or people listening gain God's heart for their city, their community, maybe it's their college campus or, or their city that they live in or their context, but how can we develop God's heart and a burden for our community? It's, it's a big question. A couple simple answers. And I think we're so busy trying to build an audience around us. And this is not a bad thing. But if you always, here's my thought with that. If you're always trying to reach out to the hurting, you will always have an audience. So good. Because I think if you look at what Jesus did, he went to the people hurting, the people in needs, and um, the people who needed that touch and needed needed a word of encouragement. And I think it, 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 as long as we're always pursuing those who are the downcast or somebody who needs help or someone I think it's a big deal that we make sure we spend our time not trying to reach just the upper echelon of people, but trying to reach those who are in need. 
And I think you have to, as a, as a person in ministry, but as a Christian, you have to have your head on the swivel. Like you have to be, this is just me talking. I'm just being really, this is being very candid, but I share this a lot. And I think it's, there's, there's, even with social media, this is all good. We use social media, we use Facebook, we use everything. But I think what happens is, is that we, we, we live in a society that we're always trying to be interesting. Yeah. Like we're always trying to do the most interesting thing. We're even now, like um, we're trying to be interesting. So people connect with the church online. We're trying to be interesting, but I think as Christians, we're not called to be interesting. We're called to be interested. And I think, and I think it's, we got to be interested in, in people. Like that's what Jesus did is he was interested in people. Like he wasn't, he just, he wasn't quick with people. Like he, he listened, he, he knelt down, he spent time with the kids, like he, with the woman at the well, like he literally, um, he didn't rush away from somebody with leprosy, like he literally was interested in that person. And I think in our society, even as pastors, different things, we can almost have conversations and looking past somebody and not looking them in the eye, not having a conversation. Like we're always on to that next thing where God is saying, like the miracles and the mess, like that miracles and the mess that, 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 that mess that somebody's in right now, don't rush that mess, like be interested in that moment. And I think that's, I hope that's what's happening with this whole thing with our society too. It's, it's hopefully it's making us slow down and yeah. saying there's miracles and messes in our own lives. And so um, I think if you want to get a heart for your community, one, like we pray for our community, like God, what's the heartbeat? We know we can't reach everybody but we can find a few like ours. We, so we connected really, we're connected with the schools and downtown Stillwater and the businesses. But I think you got to figure out ways of saying, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what can I do great at that something? How can I not just be interesting, but be interested? Not how can I get people to look at me, but how can we be aware of more people? And I think that's, I think you're always going to have an audience when you are um, like, reaching out to the hurting and, and the messy, you know, and so, yeah. You know, I grew up playing baseball and our coach used to say like, have your head on a swivel. Yeah. If, you're, if you're at second base, have your head on a swivel. Like you gotta have your head in the game and have your head on a swivel. So when you said that, it really stood out to me because I, it means something to me, have your head on a swivel. And that could apply then to church planting or just being a person who follows Jesus and looking for needs, being being prepared to just love people and to be interested in their needs or in them as a person as a whole. And I think that you know, it's and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it. You know it's interesting because you you know you guys were talking about young adults. It's interesting because there's gaps between ages. Every generation, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Even when you look at it now, like you know I was at a, a session just a few months ago and they're saying the new contemporaries like becoming now the tradition. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just always, everything's always changing. But I can, it's like, it's like this. I don't hunt. Like I, I'm not a hunter. Like I just, I'm not against it. I just don't hunt. But I can have a conversation with any hunter because all you got to do is ask a few questions. You can say, hey, tell me about your greatest hunt. Like tell me about your best story. Like what's the, what's the best thing you've ever, sh-? you know what I'm saying? You can ask certain questions. And it does, listen, just because I don't know, I think what begins to happen is, is like we're saying, because some people have their mentality, like, I just don't care. I just don't care. Right. And my mentality is like, I may not care, but I care about them. Yep. So I want to care about what they care about. 
like I may not care um, about things. And I think what I think honestly, if you want to reach young adults or even people younger or older, it's you don't have to know everything they know. You don't have to be up on all the times and do the same language. But man, just be interested in what they know. <laughs> just be interested in their thoughts. Be dude, people just want to be known and, and they want to be noticed and they want to be heard. And so when we don't have that, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, that's the best way to have a convention. Just be interested, you know. Well, and what I'm hearing you say, Jarvis, in so many words is one of the greatest ways to show people that you care is to be curious and just ask yeah. them questions and start listening. Hey, yeah. tell me about your hunt. Tell me about what do you hunt? What do you use to hunt? And you can think of 50 questions right here, right now that you could ask a hunter and you don't need to know anything about it, but you demonstrate that you care by being curious. Yeah. And so Jarvis, I, I know the story of Watermark Church and Watermark Young Adults play actually a vital role in your church. You're the lead pastor and you and your wife planted this church. There's people who felt called to join you in the process. And then can you talk about who makes up some of the volunteers at your church or talk about what, how are young adults involved from the beginning? I, you know, it's interesting because from the time we started, and when we, our launch team would consisted of probably 24 people, I think, when it was our launch team. And of those 24 people, I bet you um, at least 60 to 70% was young adults. Like I was the old fart for sure. And I still am <laughs> no, sometimes. Um, but I think from the very beginning, we couldn't do it without a few people that we Part of that was when we were you were youth pastors before this, so that a lot of people we connected well with are people that just graduated or or in North Central or Bethel College that jumped in with us. But we just kept that like we we we've always had lots of young adults come into our church, lots of them. We've always um, had that community. But I will say this: we've never always had a structure for them. Um, it wasn't until like Gabe, Marissa, Thomas came in that they actually built that structure for anyone else, but we always had them. The cool thing about our church is we can do a men's Bible study and make it for any age. And so we'll have young adults all the way up to people, guys who are 75, and do the same thing with women. We have, we have women at the table who are older and, 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 and young adults, but we also have our own young adult life groups and services and stuff that Marissa and Gabe lead. So, it's cool because there's there is a part and when you look at our volunteer team dude it is it is the same kind of percentage i would say 60 50 percent of what we our volunteers are young adults for sure and they play a huge role in our church like we and they also bring a lot of life to our church and and so um i can't say that we sit here and focus on young adults i, I think it's one is when we hire, we hire young. So we have a lot of younger people on our staff. And two, it just, I, I, I don't, I really don't know why. I just think it is, it is that way. And so, but I, it's amazing. It's amazing to see it. And so we're, we're, we appreciate it. But we also, like I said, we, we, we give them time and we, we, we hang out with them and we ask questions and we're interested. And so. So let me ask you something. We talked even before this, and I hope it's okay that we're going here, Jarvis, off script for a second, but Mike and I, we serve with college ministry on a college campus, and one of our passions is Jesus. It's all about him, 
And at the same time, we know that we might get a student for four months or four years. We do believe in the university moment that four years can impact the next 40 and beyond. But we do students a disservice on the Chi Alpha side or on the campus ministry side if they never connect during their college career with the local church. And especially after, what if their faith atrophies because they never got connected to a local church? And so I know something that you're passionate about is college students connecting with the church, whether it's a church plant or just a local church. And because all churches once were planted, if you think about it that way. And so can you talk about even like, why might a recent college graduate, a recent campus ministry graduate, why might they get excited about a church plant? And why might a church plant get excited about a recent college graduate getting involved? Like, why might that be a win-win? I think um, a couple of things I'll say. One is I'll say this. We are not designed as people to do this thing alone, no matter what. I, I know no matter how you look at it, it's like we think sometimes this is like um, uh, we think sometimes. Um, how can I put this? Paul had Silas. And so I think for us, it's like, it's, I think sometimes we think it's like um, just a race, but it's like a two-legged race. Like we are together in this thing. And so just like that, we need each other to do stuff. And so one is, I think when people leave something like college and, or Chi off and go, I think it's important that, you know what I'm saying, that we, you get connected in some kind of life-giving faith community, no matter what it is. Yeah. Because one, that I, it's like, it's like a swamp in a river. I, I do believe like, you know, a, a, the same happens to both as far as something flows into it, but a swamp, nothing flows out of it. And so where a river keeps on flowing, I think sometimes we get poured into and poured into and poured into, but if we're not pouring out and we're not doing other ministry and, and being disciples, and that's why I think sometimes is a missing link for believers is like, yeah, we can be ministered to, but are we ministering? And, and so when we are not ministering out, we miss a whole vital part of discipleship. Yeah, you've been discipled, but are you discipling somebody else? And I believe true discipleship is not just being discipled, but discipling somebody else. And I believe that's the calling of the church as a whole to come together. So when somebody, I mean, I, we couldn't be watermarked today if it wasn't for young adults that served us in the very beginning and all the way through. And so even for a church plant, I would love somehow for alumni of Chi Alpha somehow to get a program together. And this is one of the things I've been talking to a few people about saying, can we find out where all the alumni are of all the states and try to get them connected with the future church plant or our ministry now and just making sure people are connected? Because I just think it's healthy for each of us to be connected. We all need each other. There's no way, um, you know what I'm saying? I think that we, we see this now, isolation is not a good thing. And so I think if any way to be connected is a healthy thing. I mean, like I said, we're here today because of people who served, especially young adults. Well, that's amazing. And I echo that because I think being in Chi Alpha as a leader, what I see is that if you've been a part of Chi Alpha while you were a college student, you understand evangelism, you understand discipleship in a hostile environment like a, a college campus. Like it's, yeah. it's challenging to be a Christian on a public university. It's hard. That's going against the grain. Yeah. And so you live a life that you learn to be on mission. And I think that 
it's hard to just attend campus ministry. You, you want to be involved. Like when you're a college student, you want to not just go to the event, but you want to bring somebody with. You want to not just attend a service. You want to be involved in some way, like lead worship or sing or give announcements or lead the game or be a part of the message. And so I think that church plants are similar. I, I wonder very, if- Very similar. And it's a very good transition, honestly, because we have had some, we have, we have people in our church who are young, you know what I'm saying, adults at Chi Alpha, and we connect well. And I think it's an easier transition for sure, because- um, it's that's you no one's forcing you to go to church like you are invited to go you invite others to go it's something from the ground up and it's more of a community and it, it, to make a transition from that into a church but especially a church plan is a really smooth transition so and Jarvis I wonder if it's harder to I, this is just me wondering I wonder if it's harder to go to an established church and fly under the radar or a church plant and fly under the radar I would think it's it's harder to go under the radar at a church plant because oh, yeah well it depends what year it is i mean yeah you come to our church right now and you're going to get 20 hugs before you get to the sanctuary people are going to find out who you are really fast and so yeah depends on the size of the church and everything but true like you know, i think it's like we are so much about community like we are just so much about like we want to be a community of people we want to get to know you and like you're not going to come to our church if you're saying hey i want to go hide someplace you're not going to hide very well at watermark like we're going to get to know you pretty fast and so and and i think that is but it's also some people don't want that and we understand yeah, that totally but that's just who we are so so let me ask you this jarvis if there was a lead pastor listening a board member passionate young adult who just has a burden for the next generation maybe a church planter who's praying and fasting about where do we go when do we start who's on our launch team what would you say to them about and maybe how could they get young adults involved how could they include in their vision the next generation i would say um, it starts with what, going back to what i said before we just got to listen because it's it's hard to reach somebody if you're not listening if you don't know what's going on and um, um like I'll put it this way, like when I became a church planner, somebody gave me this illustration and it totally makes sense to me. Like back in the day when people moved to America, they lived close to the waters because you need a water to survive. And then as somebody started heading west, they realized they can, there's more lakes and there's more rivers. So you can go, go westward and settle by the rivers and lakes. And then as years went on, um, we figured out, you know what I'm saying, that you can dig a well and, yeah. and then you can you can kind of put stuff anywhere like you can you can kind of dig wells and and so and then of course you know nowadays we have in you know wells but we have city plumbing and everything the vehicle of water changed but water never changes mm. you know i think what happens is like how how people got that water changed but it never changed and i think that's what truth is too i think when we talk about scriptural and truth like how we how we receive that truth may change, but it doesn't change the truth. And I think sometimes that um, I won't ever forget you too many years ago made a video um, and they made this one video that was of their, one of their popular songs. And it was like this amazing, like crazy lights and everything. And they made another one that's like from like, just like banjo and everything. And I remember somebody, a youth pastor showed me this one time, two different videos. 
and he says, this is what your students are looking for, but this is what you're giving them. Wow. And I remember in my own head going, that is, I, am I, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean I come wearing the same clothes. I'm not going to be wearing skinny jeans. I'm not going to be doing, you know what I'm saying? Whatever certain people are, I'm not, that doesn't mean that at all. But if I'm trying to reach a certain a group of people, am I listening to how I'm supposed to be connecting with them? You know, it's interesting to me how I think in so many ways that um, I would tell pastors, encourage pastors to just because it's the way they've always done it doesn't mean that's the way it's going to reach the next generation. And so make sure you surround yourself with people who are like the people you're trying to reach. Make sure you not just bring them on your staff, but give them a voice on your staff. And I think that's another big question too, is just saying, I think people say, well, we have this person on our staff, but are you, are we listening to what they're saying to about the future church? And anytime I get nervous, anytime that people are not focusing on that next generation, um, even as a pastor saying, not just young adults, but youth and kids, if that's not a priority, then where's your church going to be in 20 years? And that's the big question is saying. So I think sometimes, and I think that's where you need to thrive in the generations. If not, if you're just solely focused on you, then you're just surviving. And that's all you're doing for the next few years, just surviving. So you have to figure out a way to give a voice to those who are younger in, in different generations than us to speak life into them for sure, you know. Jarvis, I love it. And I, I pray that people really grab a hold of that and, and apply it to their context and just think about it, process that. And that leads us to kind of the last segment of this podcast. We always do this final thoughts where it's five questions, super fast. We get five minutes total. You up for that? Uh, I think so. I, I think I'm there. <laughs> awesome. So question one out of five, if you could describe yourself, Jarvis, in three words, what would they be? Um, three words, like, I am awesome. Is that three yeah. words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is this what I think now or what I hope to be? Is this going to be anything? It can be aspirational. Aspirational. Um, I, I would say loving no matter what. I hope, uh, I hope people feel that I'm, I hope, I hope that's what I'm defined by later is just loving. Um, fun fun has to be up there I hope, sure. I hope it's fun and um um i hope i hope inspiring is one of those words so i agree with all of them that's amazing man so let, let me ask you this why do you do what you do what what drives you number one um the lord of course i i feel like that um um I just read a book last week and I don't remember, I wish I can give the quote, but he says, our calling is first to minister to the Lord, the minister to people. And I, everything I do, even though it's not always done that way, I want to do it for the Lord. I want to, I, I do what I do because I want to honor the Lord first and everything, but also just to, the calling, just to love people. And I, I think, um, um, any way I can, I just, that's, it's a kingdom business. And um, um, I do it. I, when I say the word inspiring, I, I hope that when I preach and I talk to people, I hope when I, um, 
um, live a life that it makes people inspire people enough to say um, there's more and there has you know what I'm saying like inspire people for a change in their own life and so so that's part I guess that would be big reasons why I do what I do amazing if you could ask me or us one question today what would it be um are you getting excited about this baby definitely <laughs> um Micah hopped off she had to jump on a on a something with family and um basically she if you think about it we are I think 20 days away from the due date 20 days away so we're at 37 weeks at the time of recording this and we don't know if it's a boy or a girl and that was her idea and I figure if she's carrying the baby that we we can go with whatever she says in terms of that and it eats me alive inside not to know. And I love that. I, I'm a curious person. I love that. And I, I cannot wait to hold this baby. Um, I talk to the baby every day. I sing to the baby. I'm not that musical. But I pray for this baby. And it's, it's going to be great. You know, it's, it, when, we, when, our first, when we were first pregnant for the first time with Sawyer, Jane didn't want to know, and I did. So I knew the whole time. No, I, I found out. Yeah, so I held a secret for all those months. Oh my! So she, God. she thought it was actually a girl. He came out a boy, and so she didn't even know. But dude, I'm telling you, when that baby comes for the first time, there's not, you know, when you go back to that question, like, why do you do what you do? Like, man, I, even being a dad now, like, I love my calling. I love what you do. I love what I do, but my major calling is my kids, you yeah. know, it's, you know, it just, it's, you know, I'm called to, of course, preach and plant a church and love people, but man, my calling is those kids that I tuck in every night in bed, you know, and just, you know, I tell my church all the time, I will never sacrifice my family on the altar of church. I love church, but I want my kids to fall in love with Jesus Christ as they grow old. And that's, you know what I'm saying? That is, I love church, but I want them to love church. But more than anything else, I want them to love Jesus as much as they can. And so, so you guys are going to be great parents. Thanks, man. I appreciate that so much. So four out of five, would you be willing to tell us one of the most epic failures you've ever experienced in life and leadership and ministry so that we can just learn? Man, um, what, I knew this was going to get asked and I still had, you know, there's, there's a lot of funny, um, funny small things, even preaching mistakes I've done over the years and a lot of things that, uh, you know, even, even, uh, I remember being a youth pastor confronting kids almost too early. And, uh, I don't know if it's something, I don't know if it's one experience, but it, I would say it's, it's, I'm one thing I'm kind of embarrassed about over the years is sometimes I would come back really hard on discipline and I would show, um, and this has happened a few times, especially with students when I was Indian adults. I would I would crack down really hard on um, trying to get them to do the right thing. That I left grace out of the picture, mm. and, uh, and I, I to this day some of those people still I'm not connected to, and I'm not saying it's because of me or anything. It, when I say embarrassed, it's not fun embarrassing. It's just still not embarrassing. Just kind of wish I would have done that differently. I mean. I remember, if you want to hear one embarrassing thing, I remember um, um, I was preaching a sermon one time to my youth kids, junior high or in the front, of course, and I was preaching a sermon about 
uh, Christmas tree I was, as an illustration. And I was talking about how, um, how you guys, how a Christmas tree looks like it's alive, but it's actually dying. We cut it down and then we decorate it. And I talked about, I used that as an illustration. I was just saying, it's just like all you sometimes that are, you know what I'm saying? You put makeup on and you, you look good. You get to wear new shoes, but deep down you're just dying on the inside. You're barely staying alive. <laughs> and then as I'm sharing this, I'm talking about like you decorate yourselves and um, you put lights on. I, I was describing a Christmas tree. And I said, some of you guys have big bulbs and I said it really fast. And that was really embarrassing. I lost a whole front row. It was my, it was my altar moment and I could not bring them back. I could not bring the, we, we, we had it pretty much in service because I could not get the 40 G or high kids back. I just, I lost them all. So they had to leave and uh, they, that was, that was, that was embarrassing. But I think we all have embarrassing moments and I'm not good with my speech all the time anyway. So there's always people questioning on a Sunday morning, did you really say this? Did you, and I'm like, no. So it's, it's funny, I always just kind of put my foot in my mouth by accident, but so I don't, I don't get embarrassed super easy, but I do like embarrassing other people. So that's pretty fun, so. I love it. Thanks for going there, both practical <laughs> and humorous. You know, so Jarvis, if, if I handed you a microphone and we had a room that was filled with college pastors, young adult pastors, and, and you could leave them with one thing, you could tell them anything, what would that one message be? I would say if God has called you to reach young adults, like if that's what you're called to do, like your specific niche, then be you doing it. Like, I, I feel like we, in our society, we have, I feel like it's really important that we learn from other people. And this took me a long time to figure out. And I'm still learning this. But it's one thing to look at Craig Rochelle and Steve Furtick and say, those guys are awesome. But you're not called to preach like them. You're not called to be them. You're not called to, like, you're called to minister the way God has called you to minister. And I feel like if you're not doing that, you're shortchanging your calling that God has put on your own life. Like, it's almost like a pickpocket. Like, you're taking your blessing away. You are designed, if you're in a community, if you're in a ministry, if you're with the young adults or youth or whatever it is, you are designed and your, your person is there to reach those people with the God-given skills you have. And if you don't have them, ask that God gives them to you because of miracles Good. in it. And I, and I think just don't try to be like somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Be, be the best version of you. Be the best version of you you can be. Not a perfect you, but the, the best version of you you can be. And I think the more you become you, that means you can teach people how they become who God has called them to be. I think a lot of people are miss, missing their place, who, their identity in Christ, because they're pretending to be somebody else and they don't even know who they are in Christ anymore. And so I think we need pastors and leaders to be who they are in Christ so we can teach other people their specific identity, who they are in Christ, and, and, and to be strong in that and to find. And, and if you look through scripture God used, they all have specific mindsets and things, but they were used in their unique ways for the Lord. And so I would say, just say, pray for that. You know what I'm saying? Pray for God to use you to speak life. And just honestly, more than anything else, more people are changed, not by what you say, but by you listening. So listen more than we talk, you know, just listen to people, you know what I'm saying? Have conversations. So.
I love that. I think that listening seemed to be a theme of our podcast today, this episode, and caring, being curious, asking questions. If we could get good at asking questions, being curious, and then listening, I think that that's so good. And truly being ourselves and operating in the anointing and the calling and the gifting that God's given each and every one of us. And the fun thing is that's when we come most alive and is when we are who we are. And I think in this season, everybody's like, I, I was telling some pastors last week, I just said, think about the season we're in right now, this quarantine virus season right now that we're in. Every single person, you can be prophetic right now because every single person that you meet on a street, at the grocery store, anybody you call, guess what they need? They need hope. They need hope right now. So good. And you literally give encouragement. You can just say, hey, I'm calling today. I just feel like God want me to pray for you, think about you. I just wanted to listen to you. And at the end of the conversation, just give hope. Just give hope. Have Find a scripture verse that has hope in it. Of course, there's so many. And just give hope. And I think, and I think um, God has not called me to preach on a corner of the street and evangelize. God has called me to um, use my both, both my ears and my heart to listen to where people are at. And I don't want to miss an opportunity God has given me because I'm talking too much about my own vision, but not listening to what God is saying. And so I think we just got to be, there's an art to listening. And I think as Christians, we just need to be better at it for sure. So That's amazing. Well, Jarvis, thanks so much, man, for a great conversation, for joining us, for spending time with the Young Adults Today community. Well, thanks for having me. You got it. And for those listening, you can find out more about Jarvis Glanzer, Watermark Church, and the Young Adult community there when you connect with us on our website, which is youngadults.today, or on social media, it's just at youngadults.today. So until next time, we're here with Jarvis Glanzer signing off. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. For sure. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.